0: have about 20 seconds, so you should move fast. (laughs) Uh, There is a handout being handed out, and so if you do not have one, raise your hand and keep it raised, and she will find you. And if we have to go and get more copies, I can do that, but just keep your hands raised. While they are being charismatic, we are going to pray. (laughs) Now, just keep your hands raised as we pray, and she'll still walk around and get them for you. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to dig into your word and feast upon it. Thank you for your servant Blake, who has said yes to you and has come here to Bayshore Camp to teach us. We're grateful that you have gifted him with the ability to be able to communicate your word in a way that we can understand. So God, would you open our hearts and our minds? Would you allow us to see what being a disciple really is? God, if we need to be corrected or rebuked or trained up in righteousness, uh, God, I pray in this particular moment with this particular topic that we would allow you to do that because your word, your promises, that that's what your word will do. And so um, we give you this next moment Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, and we need you, and we trust that you will be the one to teach us. So God, I ask that the words of Blake's mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Uh, how many of you were in this class yesterday? Look at them. At least half. Uh, Let's bring the other folks up to speed. What did you hear yesterday that stuck with you? What should we What should we tell them we're about? What What are What are the lessons from yesterday? Who Who knows one? We're coming with the mic. Who need? You didn't. Oh my goodness! What a failure! I didn't learn. Oh, there, somebody learned something.
2: We uh, made a distinction between converts and disciples.
1: Okay, we made a distinction between converts and disciples. There are people uh, who have said yes to Jesus Christ but are not walking uh, discipleship kind of walk. Good. What else did we learn?
0: Um, we learned about the qualities that Jesus looks for in a disciple using three scripture passages.
1: And, w- and what and were they those?
0: Were that lives the word, lets the word abide in them, um, bears fruit, and is willing to pay a price or sacrifice in their life for
1: that. Okay, so Jesus uses those three as kind of his definition of a disciple and uh, that makes that distinction he's talking about between converts and disciples even greater yes Uh,
0: a disciple is one who learns from the teacher how to live like the teacher
1: isn't that great I wish I'd have written that Uh, instead just copied it down I love that a disciple is one who learns from a teacher how to live like the teacher
3: Um, the, the Eight the eight Principles on Who Disciples Are.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, and that was uh, George Barna's stuff in the Barna Foundation 2016 where he found some uh, statements, some categories of orthodoxy and uh, we discovered that only about 7% of the American population agree with those statements or live those Thank statements. Right. So <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do if we're going to fulfill this great commission of going to make disciples.
2: You already said
0: it, he
1: was say. Oh, sorry. I get, I get rambling and walk on. Who else? What, are, what did we learn? We're out of papers. Okay. We're out
0: of handouts. Who has not received one? Raise okay. your hand. All right. Somebody we can, here's gonna here is going to give theirs up to share. we got, th- we got some share. volunteers
1: up here to share. We're going to work it out. What else did you hear yesterday Who that we ought one? to share with some of these other folks to bring them up to speed? Don't give them all away. I need some of you to help, but, you know, <laughs> one... If you're working with a partner, that Who else needs out. one?
0: All right, I'll get them up front. Pass that one down there. What? I got two right
1: here. Okay, at the, very end, at the very end of our time, he was raising the question, or I raised the question, what's a disciple maker supposed to do in light of what we know? And what were those things? I hope you've had, it. I'll come back to you. I hope you've had an opportunity since last we met to, to begin that process, to evaluate your own discipleship. Uh, you know, some of us who have been in, in the kingdom for a long time, been in the church for a long time, been at Bayshore Camp for a long time, we just assume some things about our own spiritual lives. And what I was challenging us to do is to take a, take a look, do some introspection. Am I where I need to be in discipleship? Am I part of that 7%? Uh, that are walking with Jesus have learned from the teacher how to walk like the teacher. What else is a disciple maker to do? Make disciples in the Spirit's power, go man. He sends you, do what he tells you. Yeah, the using the Spirit's power, uh, he's saying to to make disciples. Uh, Jesus' emphasis at the last in those last words in Matthew were that he would be with us. We don't have to go out on our own. Th- we don't need a seminar, at Bayshore Camp on how to make disciples. We need the Holy Spirit to give us direction and guidance on how to make disciples. And then we need to follow the nudging of the Spirit. So we do this, uh, this work of disciple-making in the power of the Spirit. And the last? Make disciples
4: as you go. The, the word go means as you, as you are going, wherever you go, wherever you, whatever you do,
1: good. make disciples. Thank you. That word Jesus said, go make disciples. And, and I really ran short of time, but I was trying to tear that word apart for you a little bit. And what I was trying to emphasize was this, that that word implies as you are going about your regular business, as you're going and doing, make disciples. So that what we're talking about here in disciple making is one, not sending somebody in my name, and two, not some special event where once in a while I make disciples, but I'm going about the process of my daily life, and in that process, I'm called to make disciples. Good. Have we covered it? I wanted you. Thank you. I wanted you to get uh, get three things, and I think we've covered them fairly adequately. I wanted you to get one. We're all called to disciple making. Jesus' last words, go make disciples. Uh, He's speaking to you and me, speaking to the church. It's our responsibility. I wanted you to get, uh, as was indicated, disciple-making and convert-making is not the same thing. Some of you have the gift of evangelism and are about the business of bringing people to the kingdom for the first time. I thank God for those folks over there that are working with children And bringing children to the kingdom for the first time. Such an important ministry. And I don't want to do anything to minimize those of you who have that gift, have that ministry, or bringing people to the kingdom. But kingdom making, in in terms of making converts, is not the same thing as what we're talking about. Uh, 73% of American people say, Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, sort of, kind of, I think. Uh, And we're talking about people who seven percent of the population who believe orthodox views and know this is what i'm this is where i'm going this is what i'm walking this is what i'm doing and then the third thing i wanted to you to see that we've talked about we are called to make disciples as we are going not a special event in our lives but a lifestyle a way of living uh, hence the title of our our time together uh, living the Great Commission. In March, on March the 14th in 1950, the FBI released for the very first time their 10 most wanted list. That list came about uh, because then director of the FBI, J- Edgar Hoover, had sat down with a man who was an international reporter. And he was talking with this international reporter about how can the press work with us to, to capture the people that are most uh, problematic uh, in our culture. And what they came up with was the 10 Most Wanted List. That list has existed since March the 14th, 1950. And in that period of time, there have been 504 people listed on the top 10 list. Eight of them have been women. Ninety-three percent of those who are listed there have been either captured or located. The FBI finds their top 10 list, their 10 most wanted list, to be exceedingly effective. So let's borrow from the Bureau. What I want you to do to begin our time together this morning is to create your own top 10 list. The list, that you, the paper that you were handed as you came in is the vehicle for you to do that. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Give some thought, and we're going to give you a few minutes to work on this process. Who is there in your life that you want more than anything to make a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, in light of what we learned yesterday, keep in mind, we're not looking for the worst pagan in your world. We may be looking for folks you go to church with. We are. Hear me on this, mamas. I talked to one of you afterwards. Uh, what a blessed conversation. We, it's okay for your kids to be on your top ten list. That's exactly who ought to be there. Uh, that's what it means to, to be second, third, and fourth generation kinds of Christians, for people to be discipled in their homes and in their family. It may be the folks that you work with. Who is it that that the Spirit is putting in your heart right now that you ought to be engaged in making a disciple or you wish somebody was engaged in making a disciple? Work on your top ten list. Years ago, Nancy and I attended a prayer conference at St. Simon's Islands where we met Kevin and Ellen, by the way. And uh, it was a, a unique conference from my perspective for a couple of reasons one it was billed as a prayer conference and these folks actually prayed And I'm thinking well, I've never been to that before prayer conference is supposed to teach people stuff but it was a wonderful wonderful experience where we actually prayed with some other believers but one of the things in that conference that came from that conference that really challenged me and changed my life uh, the speaker talked to us about developing the top ten list he was not talking about discipleship. He was talking about evangelism. List the top ten pagans that you would like to see come to Jesus. And I, sh- I tried to participate. I really wanted to help. I wanted to be involved. And I came away from St. Simon's uh, realizing I didn't know ten non non-believers. I teach kids that you have discipled in your home and sent them to Indiana Wesleyan University. I go to a wonderful church that has a uh, 1,000 or 1,200 people who name the name of Jesus. Uh, uh, my kids and my grandkids, thank God, all have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I couldn't name. I couldn't name 10 unbelievers. Um, and that troubled me. That, t- that changed me, and I'll tell you more about that in another session. But one of the ways it changed me is I began to focus on this business of discipleship. That doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for evangelism. I, I understand that I am, and I better learn to know some non-believers and I have so that I can fulfill that part of my responsibility. But the Great Commission is about making disciples and many of those believers. many of those people that are in my life, my life, uh, know little about discipleship. And all of us hear me on this. all of us could grow more. In our walk with Christ, all of us could be closer or better disciples than we are. So that opened up the possibilities for me. I can do a top ten list now of people that I want to be involved in, in terms, or in whose lives I want to be involved in, in terms of fulfilling the Great Commission. But putting a name on the list doesn't solve the problem, does it? Uh, let me tell you the story about Victor Manuel. Garina. this man has been on the FBI's top 10 list longer than any other person has ever been there. He's been there since 1983, uh, more than half the time the list has existed. Uh, he, in 1983, walked into a securities uh, office in West Hartford, Connecticut, uh, handcuffed and drugged two security guards and walked out with $7 million. And the FBI thought, maybe we're gonna hunt this guy down. And so they have worked at that and have had him on the top 10. By the way, anybody ever seen him? Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you don't know where this guy is, I trust, right? Well, that's too bad because the reward remains $1 million for information leading to the arrest and capture of this guy. So all that to say... Just because we put somebody on our top 10 list doesn't mean we're automatically going to apprehend them for the kingdom. doesn't mean they're automatically going to become Christians. It's our responsibility or, or disciples. It's our responsibility as we go, as we go to turn this list into a reality. It's our responsibility as we interact, as we have relationship, as we spend time with these folks, our responsibility to see that they become disciples in the spirit of Matthew 28. And one of the ways that I am learning that that, that is done is through the power of prayer. I, I You, uh, one of the ways that I am learning, sadly, this is cutting-edge stuff for me. It shouldn't be. Uh, I was 32 years in pastoral ministry, and they were fruitful years uh productive years i i I don't harbor a lot of regrets and uh, i don't think any of the churches that we served over that period of time at the point that we left anyway were saying well that's good riddance maybe we get a real pastor Uh, we had a productive time but as i look back on that time i have to wonder what if i had learned to pray for my people what if i had learned to make disciples in the power of prayer you see my personality is such they say confessions good for the soul it's hard to run a reputation i know that but let me just tell you anyway uh, my personality is such i'm a doer i'm i'm a go get this done go go you know active uh, participation do 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 work 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 kind of and i i have to wonder now what those churches might be like or the people in those churches might be like if I had done less in terms of physical activity and prayed more so I say that just to say to you please do not hear this brief lesson before we move back to you participating again as me telling you this is this is how you got to do it I got this down uh I've learned some things. It's cutting-edge things for me. I want you to learn them because they've revolutionized my discipleship ministry. And one of those are what I would refer to as uh, the four keys or four elements in disciple-making prayer. Most of us think of prayer in a way that really isn't a whole lot different than a a to-do list for God. Okay, God, I got these 10 people I want to make disciples, so start working on them, God. Uh, Get them going here, and I'll be around. But we saw yesterday that our responsibility is disciple-making. He didn't say, I'll go make disciples and you hang around. He said, you go make disciples. And one of our responsibilities then is, is to pray in a new kind of way. What I have learned, uh, am learning, I call, or many call, the acts of prayer. It's a revolutionary new way in my thinking to think about prayer. And I want to just briefly tell you about the acts, A-C-T-S, the acts of prayer. A is for adoration. When we begin to pray in the acts of prayer, we praise. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people and it's important for us to spend some time in our prayer early in our prayer the beginning of our prayer just praising God listen to my words please for who God is we have a tendency even if you just even listen to our worship we have a tendency to praise God for what God has done those songs that move our hearts that we've been hearing Uh, in the evenings, are the songs that praise God for who God is. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, last night moved my heart. Well done. Thank you for that. And the reason it took that kind of an impact or made that kind of an impact on us is because it it was remembering who God is. You can do that. You know enough about God to do that. So I've discovered, for me, a wonderful way to begin prayer is to remember God in his three persons. He's revealed himself to us in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that order, I begin my prayer with praying and and praising God. I praise the Father who is the creator God, who is the powerful God who made the heavens and the earth, Who put the stars in place who who commanded the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night have you ever thought about god as putting the earth to spin it on its axis and then kind of gently setting it down for a, a habitation for his people our god is a powerful god he spoke the world into existence He didn't go do like Blake's pastoral ministry. He just spoke it, and it happened. He formed the mountains and the valleys, the seas and the dry land. And when I take some minutes in the beginning of my prayer time and focus on the Father's power and His holiness and His authority and who He is, it begins to shape the rest of the prayer time. The Bible says that he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. And so we move to focusing and adoring and praising the son who chose to walk on dusty, dirty streets in Jerusalem rather than on streets of gold. The son who chose to come and give his life on Calvary because of my sin and because of yours the son who chose to die rather than calling legions of angels to liberate him but most importantly the son who spent three days in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and then came forth Jesus Christ is alive and so we praise him for his conquering of death we praise him that he has he has come to liberate us from the pain and the sting of death jesus christ ascended into heaven just before or just after he spoke to us and said you go make disciples i'm going on back home and he ascended into heaven where he listen he sits at the right hand of the father that's a that's a word that tells us of his equality with the father he is one with the father you do not sit in the father's presence You and I fall on our faces in the presence of the Father. We stand in respect and awe in the presence of the Father, but he is one with the Father, and so he sits in the Father's presence. Before he left, he said, it's good for you that I go. Really? I think it's kind of good having you around. No, it's good for you that I go because now I can send you another comforter. And so this period of adoration in our prayer We spend time thinking of the Holy Spirit and who the Spirit is. The Spirit of oneness. Preach that in your church. The Spirit of truth. Tell that to people who don't believe there's such a thing as truth. The Spirit that brings order out of chaos. Do you know the Spirit was there in the very first chapter of Genesis? where everything was a mess. It was chaos. And the Spirit was hovering over the face. I praise Him for that. I praise Him that He brought order, the kind of order that we see around us in nature. He brought order out of that chaos. And He's bringing order out of chaotic lives even today. And so we adore Him. We praise Him. That's a different kind of way for me to pray. And I can sometimes spend many, many minutes in my morning prayer time and not get beyond that. But I think it's important for us to get beyond that, and that leads to the C, the confession. Oh, well, I'm a Wesleyan, and I got sanctified in 1947, so I don't need to worry about that confession thing. Yes, you do if you're really a Wesleyan. John Wesley preached on repentance in believers and the importance of what what I would call keeping short accounts with God. You and I have not, we've been set free from the power of sin. That doesn't mean that you don't have to confess. I confess, you confess every day because of who we are. I struggled with this for a long time, and I struggled with the the acts of prayer because I didn't know what to say in the confession time. And the Lord led me to the book of worship, You United Methodists got a book of worship. Other denominations have them as well. Or look in your hymnal at the prayer of confession, the general prayer of confession that's associated with the sacrament. That's a great place to start. So that if you in your mind don't think, well, I did this sin yesterday and that sin yesterday, then pray this way. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, Judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed in thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty. The remembrance of them is difficult and painful for us. The remembrance of us is most grievous to us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O God. For thy son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forget all that is past and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life to the honor and glory of thy name. And I find when I pray that prayer of one similar and then just wait quietly that the Spirit will bring to my remembrance more specifics that I need to ask God to forgive. A writer in the Episcopal tradition introduced me to something called the Jesus Prayer. In their tradition, it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I've discovered that praying it 140 times a day, like the author suggested, doesn't fit my personality very well. But I've also discovered that to pray it several times, remembering different attributes of Jesus as I do, like this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, who died so that I might live, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, who has risen and sits at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on me. You see, what happens is, as I pray that prayer and remember repeatedly His attributes, I always come out exactly the same place. I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. When we pray those kinds of prayers of confession, men and women, it cleanses our hearts a new way for a new day and gives us the opportunity to come into God's presence. We're talking about disciple-making prayer. And someone called to my attention the other day, and I'm still working on a rewrite for our our last lesson as a result, that if you're going to make disciples, you need to be somebody who's learning to be a disciple. That is so true. I accept that. You're absolutely right. And so I'm discovering that when I learn to pray and I learn to be a disciple uh, in my own life, then God begins to facilitate the ability to be a disciple maker—is that making sense to anybody but me? I get the sense because, uh, again, I, I confess to you, this stuff—this uh, stuff—is new for me, and maybe for some of you. Well, gee whiz, I wished you'd have known that. I've been knowing that for forty years, uh, because it's it's cutting edge stuff for me. I think sometimes I'm up here talking to myself. I, I hope that's not true, uh, <coughs> but I'm I'm discovering either way that the best way to do disciple-making prayer is to praise God, adore God, honor God for who He is, not what He has done, and then to remember who I am in contrast and ask Him for His forgiveness again on a regular basis. Third, this is so much easier, is prayers of th- are prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving. Now you can come to the place where you begin to thank God for what He has done for you. He told his people, he told the Israelite people over and over again, remember, put up this mount, put up this bunch of rocks so that you don't forget what happened. Remember how I brought you out of Israel. Remember how I brought you across the Jordan. Remember how we went around Jericho. He wants his people to remember what great things he has done. We will enter his gates with thanksgiving. And we will enter his courts with praise. Do you see where this prayer, these prayers come from? This kind of prayer is a biblical approach, it seems to me, to prayer. And if you start looking at many of the people in the, in the Scripture and their prayers, you can find these acts there. You can see that that's the way God's people have traditionally prayed. So what do we thank him for? One of the approaches that I like to use is just run through yesterday in my mind as I'm praying in the morning. And I think about the different encounters I've had, the folks that I've gotten the opportunity to talk to. It was so fruitful yesterday to be at Bayshore Camp. People stopped me two or three times and said, can we talk about this or that? Or what about this in my disciple making? And so I thanked God for those people. And I I thanked him again for the opportunity to be at this place. Thank you for allowing me. Thank you and thank God for the opportunity, allowing me to come be a part of what, some of you have been around here so long you don't remember what a great tradition this is. Uh, I've I've had a privilege of being in several camp meetings across the country over the last fifteen years, twenty years or so. What you have here, is special, it's unique. Thank God for it on a regular basis. Thank God for Kevin and Ellen. This stuff doesn't just happen because somebody wishes it would happen. It takes people pouring their lives into places like this and into weeks like this in order to make it. I gave thanks this morning for them and for their ministry and for their opportunity. Another way that sometimes works, if you just kind of get stuck, uh, I have developed in my journal a list of... Two or three or four things for each letter of the alphabet that I want to thank God for. Now, I I confess, I get a little bummed out when I get down to X, Y, and Z. It's really hard. Uh, I'm sure God gets tired of me thanking him for zebras. I haven't seen one for quite some time. (laughs) But you get the idea. I I thank God for America. There are people around the world who 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 are putting their lives at risk in order to come here. I thank God for our leadership doesn't mean I agree with our leadership all the time. We can talk about that in another setting, but it does mean that I thank God for the opportunity to vote for a leader and, and to have leaders come. I thank God that the Senate is not in session because they can't make a law today that will mess up my life I mean seriously there are, so so we thank God for for uh, America. We thank God. I thank God for my grandson, Bradley. Uh, Some of you met him last year. And you know, uh, his folks got a lot of work to do yet. Uh, That boy is on my top 10 discipleship list. Nancy and I have talked about the possibility even uh, of moving so that we're a little closer so that we can spend more time uh, with him in retirement. Uh, he but I thank God for where the energy and the vitality and the enthusiasm that just needs a little bit of channeling and he's going to be a great disciple maker someday and I thank God (coughs) excuse me I'm sorry I thank God for Chloe uh, one of my granddaughters uh, who is uh, by contrast pretty quiet pretty subdued Uh, you can always tell when Chloe's tired because she still sucks her thumb and uh kid her about it and suck my thumb and we look at each other and laugh and you know I thank God for those kids 11 of them and each one of them is named there uh, down through through that journal I thank God that he's healed my wife twice of what could have been uh, uh, fatal illnesses uh, God is in the healing business uh, and you know if you don't can't find enough of that stuff or you run out too quick um, just, just sit quietly in your prayer time and ask yourself where that breath you just took came from. You don't breathe except that God allows it. Thank you, Lord, for breath. Thank you for water when you get a little frog in your throat. Thank you for food, great cafeteria at Bayshore Camp, and on and on and on goes the list. You can spend, if, if you had hours... If you had hours for your prayer time, you could spend hours in this kind of prayer. Here's what I want you to see. I build this as disciple-making prayer, and we have not yet talked about anybody on your list. And when we get to the point of talking about someone on my list, I don't have to belabor it with God because I've already remembered His awesome power and all the great things He's done already. And so I can simply say, Lord, I thank you this morning for Bradley, and I remind you that he needs to be made a disciple. The supplication part of my list, of my prayer time, has dwindled to almost nothing. It's still there because the Bible says, ask and you'll receive. And so we do that, but I like to transition from Thanksgivings to the ask. I got a big bill coming up. Lord, thank you that I have the resources to, to figure it out. Help me to figure this one out. Um, medical report hanging in the balance. Lord, thank you for health and wholeness, and for healing. And we just wait upon this report and ask you to intervene. You see what I'm talking about? I don't I don't have to make a Santa Claus list anymore. I don't have to tell God what to do because now I have reminded myself and I've come to the conclusion every day, afresh and anew, that He knows what to do. I've come to this conclusion. God is sovereign. He is in charge. Nothing happens in my life except it has somehow passed through His permissive will. Not one thing. Two. One, God is sovereign. Two, God loves me. So whatever happens, whatever comes into my world has passed through the fingers of a sovereign God who loved me so much that He died for me. It's a little different kind of prayer. But I think that's the kind of prayer That will turn your top 10 list into real disciples. Now, there are a couple of other principles. I never even got supplication up here. I'm getting ahead of myself. A couple of other principles of prayer that I want you to see as we move along. And one of those is that persistence is essential to disciple making prayer. Look with me in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, where Jesus told a parable that relates to prayer, and I believe it's a prayer parable that those of you who are going to take seriously disciple-making prayer are going to need to know. This parable talks about the importance of persistence in prayer. Jesus, I am in mean, Luke chapter 18, beginning of verse 1, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she'll not not beat me down by her continual coming. I don't understand. I I leave it to the first session to interpret the parable in its entirety. I don't understand all that's being taught there. But I've come to this conclusion. One thing that's being taught is persistence. Some of the people that are on your discipleship list, your top ten list that's in front of you, uh, that's not new that they're on that list new piece of paper old old idea you've prayed for a long long time i talked with a woman the other, yesterday uh, who had been praying for a certain neighborhood and the people in that neighborhood for discipleship in that neighborhood for people to come to know christ and then become disciples and she had been praying listen to the words 25 years and she's begun to see answers. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of persistence that we need. Listen, disciples are not made in an instant of time. That's one of the reasons I wanted to set the stage yesterday for the difference between a convert and a disciple. Uh, We come from a tradition that believes that converts can be made just like that. Maybe we've overdone that. I'll leave that to you. But disciples are never, I don't know any disciple that's been made in an instant of time. There are great, great uh, bounds of growth that may come into our lives in an instant of time. But there are always those places that need work. Discipleship takes time. And so your top ten list will never wear out. Uh, this uh, this principle is important. Continue. Uh, persist in prayer. And then the second uh, principle that I want you to see comes from uh, chapter uh, 11. Comes from chapter 11, and I'm labeling it this way. Impudence is allowed in disciple-making prayer. Look in chapter 11. Uh, we're going to read another parable. begins in verse 5. Chapter 11, Luke's Gospel. Uh verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within, don't bother me. The door's shut. My children are in the bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything Because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Man, that word caught my attention some time ago. And I had to look it up. I thought, what does that mean? His impudence. And here's what the word means: it's cocky boldness. According to Webster. Cocky boldness. And I think God is inviting us in disciple-making prayer to cocky boldness. Do you have somebody on your list that you cannot or somebody that should be on your list? You're going to modify just now because you cannot imagine that person ever becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody who is so far out there in their own world that you cannot imagine them becoming a part of your world. Why don't you get cocky and bold? Say, Lord... That's the one I want. That kind of cocky boldness will change the world. That kind of cocky boldness is what we need in the kingdom, in the church, in America today, it seems to me. And so we're being invited. Notice verse 10 in that passage before we move on uh, in chapter 11. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Why am I cocky and bold? Because my daddy told me that was a good way to do. I'll get what I want. I'll get what I need. I'll get what matches his kingdom plans. And then the third principle that I want you to see is this. Partnership garners success. Partnership garners success in disciple-making prayer. See, when you enter into prayer, the kind of prayer that we're talking about, you become a partner with God in disciple-making ministry. Jesus said, go make disciples. And when we sit down and pray the acts of prayer and pray over our discipleship list... Then we enter into a partnership with God. And that's what I was talking about yesterday. The idea that that it's not done in our authority. It's not done in our power. It's done in the Spirit's power. But we are called to participate. What a privilege it is to participate. This is not a heavy, heavy duty, awesome kind of responsibility. This is a great privilege. The God of the universe has said to you, you get to help make disciples. And so, uh, I submit to you, he's inviting us to enter into partnership with him. But I'm also discovering there's power in partnering with other human beings. Uh, When it comes to disciple making, no person is an island. You probably won't be nearly as successful, maybe won't get this done, if you insist on doing it yourself. A quick story. I told you yesterday, I'm on the board at the Grant County Rescue Mission. I want to tell you more about that down the road. But uh, suffice it to say right now, one of the things that I like to do is just pop in at the mission and visit with the staff. I'm very conscious of board responsibility, which means that I've only got our board, not me. Our whole board only has one employee, the executive director, and everybody else there works for him. And that's important to remember when you're involved in boards. But Rick knows that I do this, and I just top in from time to time, sit down with some of the folks and say, how's it going? Well, are you getting everything you need? What can we do to make your job more successful, your life more manageable? And the other day I was sitting talking with Neil, who is our program director, and Neil said, Dr. Neff, it is so much more fruitful than it was the last time you asked me. I said, really, what changed? He said, I got a team. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, well, I was missing. My local church has a men's prayer meeting. A men's breakfast on Tuesday mornings. And the guys pray for each other and pray for the work that that they have to do. (coughs) And because, I'm sorry, and because uh, I have to give the morning devotions or had to give the morning devotions here, I've not been able to go to that Tuesday morning meeting. But Rick Stopia, his boss, the executive director, he stopped in the other day and he asked like you ask, what can I do to make your work easier? What can I do to make life better for you? And Neil said, I just told him, I'm missing the guys at church. They were praying for me. Now I can't go because I got this Tuesday morning devotion. So before Rick left the office, they switched devotions. Neil's got Thursday, Rick's got Tuesday, and Rick can come in late and go to that prayer meeting. So he said to me, I've got this team of guys now that are coming together uh, to help me do the work. And you could see the difference in his countenance. I'm looking forward to seeing the difference in productivity and in life change because he's got this team of support. You can't do this alone. That's why Jesus put us in a body. That's why the body of Christ exists. You go make disciples, he said, but there were 11 of them on the hillside. He's talking to a team. And it's our responsibility to find a team. I want to help you do that for just a few minutes this morning. I want to invite us to practice what I've been preaching. I want to invite you to gather with a group around you. Two other people minimum, four other people maximum. We're looking for groups of three to five, and don't make me defend that. I've done the research. It works best that way. Just trust me. Get in a group of three to five people, and here's what I'd like for you to do. Very, very quickly go around the group and tell the rest of the people in that group about one person who's on your list. Just tell them why that individual is on your top ten list. And then what we'll do after that, after you've had a season to do that, I want to lead us in prayer, and I'll lead us in adoration and confession and thanksgiving, and then I'll throw it back to you in your group. I'd like for you to go around again and just ask that God might make disciples of those people. Would you take that kind of help? Would you take that kind of support in your life? Find your group and I'll be back with you just real quick. Oh God, mighty God, we come before you this morning because you have commanded us to make disciples. And we recognize your power and authority in all of that. You are the God who spoke the world into existence. We're recognizing that you made the heavens and the earth, that you put the stars in space and, and the sun and the moon to command the day and the night, that you put the world to spin it on its axis. So making another disciple really won't be that tough for you. We come into your presence recognizing that you're the God who made the valleys, and the mountains, the sea, and the dry land. You're a God of holiness and a God of power, a God of authority, and we bow in your presence knowing that beside you we are nothing at all. Forgive our many, many sins and our wickednesses which we have most grievously committed in thought, word, and deed. And we pause just a moment and ask your spirit to remind us where we have come short. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, who died so that I could live, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, who rose and lives today and will live forever and ever, the God who was from before the beginning and will be after the end, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, we thank you that there were people who came into our lives that taught us what it means to be a disciple. We thank you for people, some who are with you now, who nurtured us and guided us and directed us, who put up with our nonsense when we were just baby Christians and caused more trouble in the church than good. We thank you for pastors who have preached the truth to us. We thank you for evangelists who have told us the truth about Jesus. We thank you for music leaders and song leaders and worship leaders who have taught us to praise you. We thank you for the church where we're all different and yet all moving the same direction. We thank you for your Spirit's presence in the life of the church and in our lives. And Lord, as challenging and as difficult as it is, we thank you for this command to go make disciples because it gives us hope that you've not given up on us but that you indeed intend for us to continue to be a part of the work. Now before us, Lord, are the names of some people we've shared with sisters and brothers. And as we pause and in the silence, ask that that they begin to pray again. As we pause, Lord, I pray that someone in the group might thank you for that individual and ask you to intervene in their life. As our groups pray again, Lord, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Incline your ear to us and grant us these folks as disciples for the kingdom of God, the cause of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all the disciple makers said together, Amen. And amen. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about uh, as you go, serve. As you go, serve. And I'm going to suggest some real difficult issues with being a servant in 21st century America. And we'll see if we can't find a biblical way to overcome those issues. We've got a few minutes. Uh, What do you want to say? The mic is coming. We all want to hear what's on your heart, questions, comments, or if there's the any questions?
0: Anyway. We have a couple of minutes for questions or comments at all. Anybody want to share anything that touched their heart this morning? All right, here and then there. And uh, one of the things that um, came up in our group um, was that um, if you evaluate your own discipleship. And look at those three things that are are there. Um, I, I when you first said top ten list, a, did, a name did come to my mind. But then the longer I sat and thought about yesterday's lesson, I thought, what about me at the top of that list? Because I can't make a disciple till I am a true um, disciple from the yeah. tenets that you said yesterday. I,
1: I, i agree with that statement to a point there also is a sense in which all of us are growing all of us are moving forward uh anyone who's arrived got it all down uh okay most of us are not most of us are growing so all of us because we're on this growth thing can find somebody that we can begin to disciple and the neat thing about that is as we begin that process then we become more like Christ would have us to be. So our growth depends on our, our doing what He called us to do. You're right on target. Yeah, good. We'll get we'll get you.
3: Okay. Um, I I am here this week camping with, uh, and my granddaughter is here with me, and she lives a very very busy life. She's only yeah. 14, and she has a whole different lifestyle than. Right. Probably you know whatever. Um. <laughs> Very busy. But I I have spent a lot of time with her as she was growing up earlier in her life, but she don't spend as much time with grandma now as she used to. But I, I pray for her all the time and I think she would be an amazing influence as a disciple maker. Good. If she would truly I'm I believe she's saved, but you know. Yeah. Um I just, she's here at camp, so I just wanted yeah. to pray for her. Yeah. That she would um, totally give herself to Christ this week. So your um, group
1: prayed for her? Sure. Yeah, good. Yeah. 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 No, your group already did? Yes. Yes, I wonderful, mean, yes. wonderful. Okay, so and, um, and an encouragement to the rest okay. of you as you think about it. You know, one of the things that comes out of your comment that I, I think is true, I'm I'm really a learner in this stuff, but I think you're going to find that most of the time, the folks that you have the ability to disciple are going to be people that are younger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why that is. One one guy told me just the other day down at Indian Springs Camp Meeting. He said you got the advantage of 60 years and gray hair. Mm-hmm. People think you got it all together.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Okay.
1: <laughs> so so you know maybe there's some of that going on. I don't know. Uh, her but, parents take but her, her to church. But it's not unusual to disciple children, grandchildren. Yeah.
3: And her parents do take her to church conveniently.
1: Yeah. When it's convenient. Yeah. And well, you got a basis on which to start. So uh, we need it back up here, if could.
0: For the class, the acts way of praying uh, remind me that uh, the Lord's prayer that we were taught how to pray is praise, ask, and then forgive.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So it kind of goes in the same order as what we are taught to do. Yeah
1: yeah none of this none of this is mine none of this is reinventing the wheel this is a result of reading other people's stuff and saying what's missing in my life or what's missing in the life of the church and trying to discover it
5: yeah um this uh goes along with what what you were saying um but i I found uh, that there's a particular person whose face came to mind someone that I know someone whose name I should know um someone who i've talked to my wife about someone i've talked to someone who uh frankly i've personally been uh, very angry with and uh i couldn't think of his name until and, and i i tried i sat almost the entire time i had the entire list filled out i could not think of his name until i wrote my own name down and then immediately i believe god revealed that to me um but though we're still growing, um, we can still be a disciple maker, but that, that it, it goes both ways. And yeah. uh, I, I think that was God speaking to me uh, personally, uh, but hopefully uh, reinforces that uh, I I cannot disciple others unless I am at least striving for him right. daily. Right. Um,
1: yeah. And one of the things, I don't know where you're at in this relationship, this broken relationship, but... One of the things that has to be a part of that growing in our own lives is the business of forgiveness. Jesus forgave, and he, he commands us. It's, it's all through the book. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So it's a hard lesson, one that it took me a lot more years than you've already got in you uh, to learn. But if, if the Lord speaks to your heart about it, forgive this brother, whatever he did. It's not worth uh, losing your soul over. What else?
4: Yeah, Yeah, the Lord, the Lord just uh, told me to encourage everybody, you know, one way to pray, you know, and I agree with Acts and all that, but uh, many years ago I had a couple of sisters that weren't following the Lord, and when I was praying for them, he, he reminded me of Moses, and he said, what did Moses say to Pharaoh? And all of a sudden, cop Ka- popped into my mind, he said, let my people go, he says, you can pray that prayer. You know, you can pray to the for- Pharaoh, representative of the forces of evil. And uh, that prayer, he said, uh, you you should pray, you know, let my people go so they can serve and know the Lord. So I started praying that prayer, and w- within two weeks, both sisters called up, called me up and accepted the Lord. Wonderful. They're not following the Lord the way I'd like to see them go, but they've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and so I still pray that prayer today Wonderful. for all my family. And Wonderful. I encourage everybody to yeah. grab on to the revelation of Declaring, let my people go
1: and watch and see what God will do. Yeah, another way of doing this uh, disciple-making prayer that uh, I encourage you to try. See how it works in your life. There's no formula.
2: Um, The Lord, uh, you know, what a high calling to be a disciple and a discipler. But the Lord kind of showed me that it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to the cross to know him as their Savior. He yeah. might use us in different ways, but it's the Holy Spirit that draws them. Discipling is what we're here for. That's our calling. That's our calling. And uh, what a high calling it is. Yes. And what a privilege that he trusts us with disciple making, being discipled in humility, and then passing on. All his blessings and revelations to us, to others. We're together. That's the team. But exciting, exciting stuff. And the church has not put it at the top where it needs to be.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Well spoken.
6: I was thinking about supplication. I actually had to look it up because I couldn't remember before it came up there if it had one P or two P's in it. And uh, I looked up the definition and it said the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. And I thought about the the persistence that you talked about. Um, and it just made me reflect. Uh, this past year I heard a pastor talk about how when In Mark 2, when the friends brought their paralyzed or crippled friend to Jesus, they lowered him through the roof. And the pastor that spoke on it, he was telling us how interesting it was how those friends brought this man to Jesus. He couldn't have gotten there by himself. And it just made me think about, you know, just how God does invite us to help make disciples, and I just... It, it just made that that message come right back to me, and I was just encouraged again thinking about Mark 2. So if you guys have free time, read Mark 2, and Good. Uh, think about how you can be used to bring your friends and loved ones to Jesus.
1: Thank you for reminding us So that. There's some really challenging portions of that passage, too. It, it appears that it's the faith of the friends who forgives uh, brings that man to forgiveness and that doesn't match my evangelical theology but i'm working on it
7: i I don't know how to stitch all my thoughts together because it's really good everything you know that you shared um for one um it reminded me of the verse that that told us to approach god's throne with boldness Mm -hmm. his grace of his throne of grace with boldness so a lot of us we sometimes we have well a lot of times we have the tendency to approach god as beggars but really he wants us to approach him with boldness and confidence that the bible also says that we if we ask according to his will we have confidence that he hears us and so that that is one thing and the other thing about the persistence of that um the the verse you used um it this thought came in mind that faith takes no for an answer really if that makes sense
1: Go ahead. Expound it on it. Help <laughs> me understand.
7: He's saying something, but no, but that's what it was, right? And even, um, even that that woman that approached Jesus, and yes. Jesus in the beginning yes. said, "No." In the in the beginning,
1: are are you saying that we need to be willing to take no for an answer? Is that no? No,
7: I, I, I'm s- faith does not take no for. Okay, an Okay, okay, okay.
1: We're back. Yeah, f- the bold, the, the impudence. Bold, being being yeah. bold, yeah, you know. A- and the reason, the reason we don't need to take no for an answer because we know we're praying within His will. Yes, he exactly. He told us, He told us on the mountain outside Galilee, go yes. make disciples. Yes. and that's I'm, That's all I'm asking, Lord. That
7: not one should be perish. It's His will for everyone.
1: There you go. To sure. to be
7: saved. And the other thing, quickly, I love, love, love the principle about you. You praise God and thank Him and. That's the one thing that revolutionized my own prayer life is when I started, like, just really spending time in, in remembering who he is yeah. and everything he's done in my life. Thank you. At the end of my prayer, I don't even feel like I have to pray for these things. I just keep thanking him. You thank will. You have supplied the answers. You have done it already. Yeah. I thank you for. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the manifestation of the answers. Yeah. yeah. So you I you love you that. You got
1: it. Because thank you. We have seen him perform. So many times, he's done so many wonderful things that I don't need to beg him. I don't need to, I don't, my prayer list is about who he is now, not about what I need from him, yeah, mm-hmm. because he already knows that. Thank you. Well spoken. Well done. All yeah, right. What a great
0: th- morning. Oh, we, ca- we need to uh, we need to stop here because we have children that need to be picked up. Keep your answers. Uh, maybe you should share your cell phone number with us, and we can just text you all the questions. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs>
1: WHERE'S ADAM? TEXT ADAM. ASK HIM.
0: YES, THAT'S EXACTLY RIGHT. WE SHOULD ALL TEXT ADAM. SO WHEN BLAKE WAS TEACHING TODAY, I WAS WONDERING. NEP
1: SAID, BUT WHAT DO YOU THINK?
0: THAT'S GREAT. ENJOY YOUR DAY. REMEMBER THE uh, 5K RUN AT 2.30. IF YOU'RE NOT RUNNING, WALK OVER THERE AND CHEER ON THE RUNNERS, ESPECIALLY THE CHILDREN AND THE TEENS THAT ARE GOING TO BE RUNNING. HOW COOL WOULD IT BE? For those of us on the sidelines to be, it's kind of that same thing about as we're running the race of life and we're pressing on and we're standing there and encouraging those to the finish line, we can be representatives to them of what it looks like to uh, encourage runners and followers of Jesus to keep pursuing Jesus. So let's go and, and pretend that that's what we're doing today as we encourage these runners. Enjoy your day. Have an amazing time this afternoon with your families.